Please turn with me to Luke 11, verse 1 to 13. Luke 11, verse 1 to 13. Let me remind you that this is the word of the Lord. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of his man, this man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thanks, Dieter. Please do um, keep your Bibles open on that passage as we look at it together. Um, let me add my welcome to JP's. My name's Sean. I'm one of the, the ministers of staff. If you're new, we'd love to meet you afterwards, so please do um, hang around. Um, let's pray as we come to look at God's Word together. Heavenly Father, thank you the great privilege of being able to uh, sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus, to listen from him, to learn from him. And Father, we pray that as we do that today, that you will teach us. We pray that you'll remind us of the great privilege we have of having a relationship with you. Father, we pray that you will shape our, our desires and our passions for this year according to your desires and passions, that our priorities will be shaped by your priorities. And we pray this for your honor and glory. Amen. Um, during the first four weeks of the year, um, we are, are, are looking, we're spending some time in the section of Luke's gospel, section that started at uh, Luke 10, 13, where we started last week. And it runs all the way to halfway through chapter 13. In this part of Luke's gospel, Jesus is teaching his disciples what it looks like to be one of his followers. Uh, so what better way to start the new year than to spend time thinking about what it looks like to be a follower of the Lord Jesus, how we should be living, and then to shape 2023 according to uh, God's priorities for us. 
So as we do this, I'm wanting us to set our priorities for 2023 according to God's priorities, the right priorities, priorities as followers of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Last week, we saw the first priority. Uh, The first priority was sitting at the feet of Jesus, uh, listening to him, feeding on his every word. It came to us in the story of Mary and Martha. I'm sure it's familiar uh, to many of us, even if you weren't able to join us last week. Um, At the end of the passage, Jesus says to Martha, uh, so this is chapter 10, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to him, to hang on his every word. And that, Jesus says, that is the one thing that is non-negotiable, the absolute thing that is needed. So for us, priority number one, as we saw last week, the non-negotiable must be listening to the words of Jesus, sitting at his feet, feeding on his word. Today, we come to our second priority, for living as followers of Jesus, and that is, uh, that is prayer. Now, it's often said, if you want to make any Christian feel guilty, speak to them about prayer. Now, the aim for today is not to make us feel guilty about ways in which we've failed uh, in the year past, but rather uh, to feel the great privilege that we have of being able to speak to the God of heaven and to encourage us to be more devoted in 2023 to praying and praying God-centered prayers. Jesus' prayer starts in chapter, uh, Jesus' teaching on prayer starts in chapter 11 with one of his disciples coming to him and saying to him, teach us to pray. Jesus himself had been spending time in prayer. He had been speaking to his father. And who better to teach us how to pray than the Lord Jesus himself, the son of the God, of eternity, the one who spent all time in perfect communion with the Father. So as we listen to Jesus, we're listening to the one who knows what it is to commune with his Father, who is the perfect one to teach us how to pray. Verse 2, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come." Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. I'm sure many of us are very familiar uh, with the Lord's Prayer. Some of us may have grown up in a time when it it was said uh, daily at school. My first half of school that happened, second half of school that disappeared. And many others would have been part of churches who, who pray that week in and week out. Now, familiarity is a great thing. That's one of the ways in which we learn, being familiar with things. But it can also be a dangerous thing. Being familiar with something can mean that we, we miss the impact, the greatness, the amazement about what is being said. And looking at Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer here, there's two particular things that stand out as amazing. The first is really the simplicity of it. Here Jesus' disciples say, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives them five short, 
simple phrases. It's not a long, uh, elaborate prayer. It's not, there aren't a whole bunch of rituals that you need to go through before you pray. There's no requirement about a certain amount of fasting in order to be heard by God. There's no special language that is needed in order to be able to communicate with God. Many, many of the world religions require these things in order to be able to communicate with the divine. Going through great preparation, preparation or speaking in specific languages, pilgrimages to holy places so that you can be heard by God, praying in special places. Jesus says to his disciples, to us, when you pray, say, Father, we can speak to God wherever we are, whenever we like. He is there with us, listening to us. The second surprising thing is that Jesus says, as we speak to God, we can call him Father. And that, that brings us to our first point today, speaking to God, praying to God as Father. Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. We don't just speak to God as the creator of the universe, as the ruler of all, as the judge who will one day come back, or as a distant deity. It's how many religions view God. We speak to God as our Father. And it's astounding to think that we can speak to the God of the universe, the one who is in control of all things, the one who owns all things. We can speak to him as Father. Just think about that for a moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have a father-child relationship with God, the creator of the universe. We can talk to him as our father. He loves us as a father loves his children. It's really, this is the picture of closeness, of intimacy. And you've got this closeness and intimacy with the ruler and sustainer of all things. God sees you as part of his family. He loves you as a father loves his own child. No other religion has this view of God. And most religions actually would find this quite offensive. In Islam, there are 99 names for Allah, but none of them carry this idea of closeness and intimacy like a father and a child. In Hinduism, there's countless gods. One website I looked at said there's over 330 million Hindu gods. Don't know if that's accurate, but they've all got different functions, but none of them have this close, intimate relationship with the followers. Prayer for us is speaking to our Heavenly Father. We have direct access to Him because of the work of the Lord Jesus. There's no need to pray to someone else to intercede for us or to speak to someone else to pray on our behalf. We don't have to pray to a bunch of saints or angels or to Mary to get them to speak to God on our behalf. The Roman Catholic view is that you can plead with Mary and the saints to make intercession on your behalf. Because of Jesus, we have direct access, direct, personal, intimate access to our Father in heaven. Uh, when your love, much-loved child comes to you, wants to tell you something, wants to tell you a story, or show you something that they've made, there's joy and delight in hearing that. That is what it is like with God and you. When you pray, 
God delights in hearing from you. I don't know what relationship you had with your earthly father. I take it there'll be some sitting in this room who didn't have a good relationship with their father. And maybe even the idea of God as a father can be difficult for you. Um, Maybe it's not something that excites you. Uh, All human fathers are sinful. All of us fail in many different ways towards our children, and we cause pain and hurt, some more than others. Human fathers are to be a picture of the perfect father, of our God in heaven. But some of us are very poor pictures of that father. Don't let the poor pictures get in the way of the beauty of the relationship that we have with our God in heaven. God is our father, and he is the perfect father. He loves us perfectly, and he always has our best interests at heart. So as we come to God in prayer, we can speak to him as our father, our perfect heavenly father, with the intimacy and closeness that that brings. Just think about it again for a moment. You can call God father. Isn't that amazing? What a privilege. What a blessing to have that relationship with God. And all this is because of the work that Jesus has done on the cross. Jesus died so that we can be forgiven. He died so that we can be washed clean and have that access to God, that we can be adopted into his family, to the family of the one and only true God. So when we pray, remember that we're speaking to our Father in heaven. And let's rejoice at that closeness, that intimacy we have with him. He even wants to hear from you. If you think about that, God wants to listen to you. And he rejoices in hearing from you. God allows you to be part of his family. He allows you to call him father. He really is interested in you and delights in hearing from you. So pray to your loving father. Think about that intimacy that you have with him, that he's waiting to hear from you. In our second and third point, we will look at the content uh, that Jesus tells us to pray about. And again, we'll see that there's surprising things that can easily be missed because of our familiarity. The second thing, the second point, is praying to the Father about the Father. Now, there's five phrases in Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. What's surprising here is that the first two phrases are entirely about praying about things of God. Just think about it for a moment. How much time do you spend praying for others and yourself? How much time do you spend praying about God and things concerning Him? How does our our focus on praying about things of God compare to our focus on praying about things of other people and ourselves? Here Jesus starts his teaching of what we are to pray for with focusing on praying for things for God. The first thing is, hallowed be your name. This is a prayer that God's name will be magnified, that it will be glorified, that it will be known throughout the world, that God will be honored in this world, that he will be seen as the one and only true God that he is. It's a prayer here that God will be made famous through this world, that the truth about him will will ring out in every town and city and village and country. 
as we look uh, back on 2022, how much, how much did we pray about the things of God? How much did we pray that his name will be made known, that he'll be honored as the one and only true God? Now, again, as I said, I don't want us to feel guilty about this, but let's change for 2023. Let's make sure that our prayers are saturated with praying that God will be glorified, that he will be honored, that he will be magnified in this world. The second thing that Jesus tells us to pray about the Father is that his kingdom will come. And this is a prayer that God's kingdom will grow, that it will continue to grow until it's reached its fullness. It's a prayer that for God's work of salvation, to go out to the ends of the earth, that God's purposes in salvation will continue to make progress and grow until it's achieved all that God has purposed. So as we spend time in prayer in 2023, let's make sure that first and foremost, we are concerned about the things of God, that we are concerned about his purposes in this world, that we are concerned about salvation going out who are concerned about God's name being magnified and glorified in, to all people, in all towns, in our nation, across the world. May his kingdom come. Thirdly, we are to be praying to the Father about ourselves. And again here, it is the content of what we are to pray about ourselves that is surprising. I just... Uh, pause for a moment and think about what, what would the usual things be that you pray for yourself? Uh, maybe you'll pray uh, for sickness if you're facing sickness. Maybe you'll pray for continued health. Maybe you'll pray for your work, that you will, you will do well in work or, or that you'll be able to deal wisely with work issues you face. Maybe you'll pray for the things that you want or desire. The list could go on and on. And these are good things to pray for, and there's many passages that tell us that we should be praying widely like this. Like in 1 Peter where it says, cast all your anxieties on him. But as we look at what Jesus teaches about what we should pray for ourselves, we must think about our focus for ourselves. We must think about our primary concern for ourselves. So let's have a look at it. Here we see there are, there are three things that we are to pray for ourselves. And let's think again as we go through, how is this different to the things we would usually pray for? So the first thing, we are to pray for our daily bread. The idea here is to pray for enough bread for today, praying for the things that we need today. There's a real dependence and trust in God as we come to him in that prayer. If, if you were here last week, remember, we saw Martha was worried and anxious about many things. But Jesus says, pray, give us today our daily bread. And the next two things that Jesus tells us to pray for ourselves is about our sin. And how much, how much do we pray about our sin? What percentage of our prayers about ourselves would we say is about our sin. Well, here, two-thirds of what we pray for ourselves, Jesus is saying about our sin. The first thing is asking for forgiveness. Verse 4, forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Uh, daily, 
coming to God in dependence for the forgiveness that we need. Praying for forgiveness is acknowledging our failure before God, trusting again in the Lord Jesus as the only way that we can be forgiven. Daily, regular acknowledgement of sin, dependence on God for forgiveness. And as we do that, as we realize how much God has forgiven us, will we not overflow to forgiving one another? Uh, Someone else's offense against you is only minuscule compared to your offense against God. He has forgiven you. He has written off. So surely we should be quick and open to forgive others. Then secondly, we are to be asked, we are to ask to be spared from temptation. Satan would love to wreck your relationship with God in the year ahead. He's going to try what he can. Pray and ask God to guard you from temptation, to give you the strength to resist it. These are the three things that Jesus teaches us that we are to pray for ourselves. How much does this form part of your prayer? 2023, let our prayer be shaped and modeled by what Jesus teaches us. May our focus, our priorities in prayer for ourselves be for our daily bread, be for forgiveness, be for being spared from temptation. Then finally, as we pray to the Father, we can pray to him with confidence. In verses 5 to 13, Jesus tells two illustrations. And both of these illustrations make the point of the attitude in which we should come to the Father. And the attitude that we should come to the Father is one of confidence. The first illustration we pick up at verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you, go, um, and you go to him at midnight. Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, do not bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, to really get the impact of this illustration, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of a first century Middle Eastern person. Uh, when, you, uh, when, you, when would you get up and go pound on your neighbor's door at midnight? What, what would require you to get out of bed, to go to your neighbor's house and to smash on the door until they open? No matter if it takes five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And maybe if someone was injured or sick and urgently needed to get to the hospital, maybe that would compel you to do it. Maybe if your neighbor's house was on fire. Now, I can't ever remember being in a situation where I needed to go and pound on a neighbor's door in the middle of the night. But I guess the closest I got was in 2009. Um, We we lived in Somerset West and backed up um, onto onto a blue gum forest. And a fire started on the mountain and started coming down the forest. And then we were told to evacuate because we were right on the edge of the forest. Uh, a couple of us went from door to door, knocking on the doors and, and warning people that we had to evacuate. Uh, there was one house, one flat, where we knew the, the, the guy was there because his car was there, and he wasn't answering his door. Uh, he was a doctor, 
and had worked the night shift. So although it was, I think, about uh, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, um, it, for him it was midnight. We pounded on that door, probably for about 10 minutes until he opened it. The urgency of the situation, the seriousness meant we didn't stop, we didn't relent, and we knew when he heard that, he would open the door and he would act on what we're telling him. Uh, I'm not sure what would, what would make me bang on the door of someone uh, at midnight. In the first century Middle Eastern culture, hospitality was something far more valued, far more important, far more of a duty than what we see it today. So for this man, these friends uh, arriving at his house, unexpected, you know, there can be all sorts of reasons why they might have arrived unexpectedly, but for him to not have something to give them, to not be hospitable to them, would have been utterly disrespectful and shameful. So he is faced in an urgent situation, a desperate situation. Just like Martha last week uh, thought that poor hospitality of Jesus and his disciples would have been utterly shameful, so this man had that view. So he runs to his friend's house. And notice, this is a friend's house. He runs to his friend's house and he begs him to give him food for his guests. It's a picture of a man in his greatest need, urgent, needing to provide for these guests and begs his friend for help. Uh, verse 8 is a little bit tricky to translate, um, but, but most commentators agree that the core idea in verse 8 is this, the sense of certainty of the results. The man knows his friend. He knows that even if his friendship is not enough to get him to do what he needs him to do, the urgency of the situation will. It's an illustration all about certainty of an end result. Look at, look at the end there. He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The second illustration comes in verse 11. Let's pick it up there. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, or asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father of heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, the point here is that God is good, and he desires to give you good things. Christmas was um, two weeks ago. Um, parents here, anyone give their kid a snake? Anyone? No? No? I think my kids would have actually liked a snake, a, a harmless one, but, but anyone here give their kid a scorpion? No. You, you would never give your kid a scorpion or a snake, at least a poisonous snake. Um, no parent would do that. We delight in giving good things to our kids. We love them. And so it is between God and you. So as we pray, we can come to God with confidence. Confidence knowing that he loves us. Knowing that he is in full control of all things. Knowing that he delights to give us good things. That is your Father in heaven. With all the worries and stresses and, and anxieties of 2023, the unknowns, there's three things that we'll do well to remember. Firstly, we need to remember that God is in full control of everything. Secondly, 
we need to remember that God is good. Thirdly, we need to remember that God cares for you. He loves you and delights in you. No matter what you face in the year ahead, those three things, focusing on those three things, will help you to get through it. As we pray, we know that we are coming to the God who delights in giving us good things and who cares deeply for us. So pray and ask God with confidence. Did you notice the surprise at the end of verse 13? Without looking down, um, how would you have thought verse 13 would end? Listen to the words. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give? How would you have completed that? Um, maybe give, give good gifts or give good things to you? Well, what does it say? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's not, it's not gifts or things, but it's a person, the person of the Holy Spirit that God gives us. And as we are given the Holy Spirit, he dwells in us and he brings us into a relationship with the Father. Now, there's all sorts of misunderstandings about the work of the Spirit, and, and I would love to chat to you if, if you've got confusion there. But the key thing here that is being said, as we ask for the Spirit, there's a guarantee if we ask for the Spirit, we will receive him. There's no special requirement, no needing to go through some school of the supernatural, no needing to go to um, uh, Holy Spirit classes in order to receive the Spirit. Ask, and you will receive it. Verse 9 says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Receiving the Spirit, having the door open, seeking, finding, is all about coming into a relationship with the creator of the universe, the God of everything, coming into that close, intimate relationship with him as our father. As Luke, in his, in his account of Jesus' life, his teaching, his death and resurrection, he wants us to have confidence that it is through Jesus' death, through his resurrection, that we come to receive forgiveness, to receive the Holy Spirit and to be brought into the relationship with the Father. Now, I take it not everyone sitting here today will be a follower of the Lord Jesus. If that is you, then you don't have this relationship with God. You don't have a father-child relationship with God. But you can. And God wants to have that relationship with you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and the door will be opened. Ask God for forgiveness, and you will receive forgiveness. Ask him for his spirit, and you will receive his spirit. Ask, and you will have that relationship with your father. Everyone who is sitting here today who is a follower of Jesus, know that you have this relationship with God, this father-child relationship, that we can speak to him as a child to their good and loving father. Let's make sure that we, we don't neglect this great and glorious privilege 
Let's not take it for granted in 2023. Let's make sure this year is a year where we are a people of prayer, speaking to our Father who loves us, speaking to our Father about His purposes and plans, that He will be glorified, that His kingdom will grow, speaking to your Father about yourself, asking for your daily needs and depending on Him, asking for forgiveness and protection against the attacks of the evil one. Last week, we saw our first priority was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. Today, our second priority is speaking to the Father. And what a privilege that is. Let's not neglect it in the year ahead. Let's pray.